You're listening to A Sure Hope with Pastor Dave Shank of Calvary Chapel, Cape May in Cape May, New Jersey. Join us as Pastor Dave teaches verse by verse through God's Word. someone you give them gifts love is manifested a lot of times through gifts so how did God show his vast love for us he gave us gifts he gave us gifts you know where I'm going with this he manifested his love by the gift that he has given you we studied it John 3 16 for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life When you love someone, a common thing you might do is to give them gifts. As you listen to today's message from Pastor Dave, he explains that God manifested his love by a gift. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son so that no one would perish but have everlasting life. God's love for you is great. Now here's Pastor Dave in the book of John chapter 6 as he begins his message, The Mystery of Salvation. Verses 44 and 45, and I call this the mystery of salvation. The mystery of salvation. So um, if you turn into your Bibles, if you've found your place, let me read aloud if you will read silently. Jesus is speaking to the crowd that has assembled since he did the miracle of the loaves and the fishes. And he's now speaking to them still. It's only been the second day. And Jesus says this in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. It's well documented that the pursuit of happiness is something that we all seek. In fact, it's written in one of our most Cherished documents, Declaration of Independence, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. But the problem lies is where we are looking for happiness. That's where the problem lies. Where are you looking for happiness? Think about it. Some think they're going to find happiness in financial success. I mean, after all, right? Money, 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 right? I mean, come on. Some think a satisfying career is the ticket to happiness. And because of these things, they devote themselves to seeking fame and fortune. Others think that happiness is in sex. They become enslaved to pornography. And they go from one partner to another searching for happiness but cannot find it. And their lives end up empty. Many try to fill that pleasure with alcohol and drugs. They try to fill that, and that's their happiness, what they think. And unfortunately, they end up destroying their lives. Others seek happiness through children and marriage. Now, a happy family is a blessing from God. 
Make no mistake about that. But when it becomes our main source of happiness, there's a problem. When seeking happiness of the family comes before seeking God, there's a problem. Because unfortunately, the reality is that many families can be a source of some great pain. Solomon, when he was writing his thesis, Ecclesiastes, said that any earthly thing that you seek to satisfy that inner void, he basically said it's like running around chasing bubbles. Remember when you were a little kid and you'd blow the bubbles and you'd run and chase them? And as soon as you caught one, what happened? It was gone. Well, that's what happiness is to us as we seek it through these things. And I was thinking about this as, as I was writing this, and I was thinking, and the Lord really impressed upon my heart, instead of seeking happiness, we need to be seeking holiness. Because in reality, holiness leads to happiness. And it's proven in the Scriptures. The Bible is quite clear from where, or from whence, I should say, the source of our happiness is. David writes in Psalm 1611, In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand there are pleasures evermore. Jesus told his disciples that we'll get to it probably three years from now in John 15, when he said these things in verse 11, These things I've spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. These things, what things? These truths that he's given us about who he is, about God. These truths are in us, and they become our source of joy. We find happiness, we find fullness of joy, we find pleasures forever when we seek God. The scriptures that we have this morning, the reason I only took two of them is because they can be quite confusing. They can be quite confusing. In verse 44, we read that no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws that person or him, and I will raise them up on the last day. Interesting. I think we need to look at this statement, for in it lay the mystery of salvation. In this statement lay the mystery of salvation. Try to follow me. The great A.W. Tozer begins his classic book called The Pursuit of God by pointing out this, quote, that before a man can seek God, God must first have sought the man, unquote. Interesting. Paul says in Romans 3.11, there is none who seek God. No, not one. Tozer then continues and says, we pursue God because and only because he has pursued us. I kind of like that. Kind of reminds me when I did a teaching on the hound of heaven. Kind of like that. But think about it. Isn't this exactly what the Apostle John is saying when he wrote his first epistle in 1 John 4, 19, when he declares this beautiful statement, we love him, God. Why? Because he first loved us. Here John says that God initiated our relationship. God loved us first. So... How did we recognize that God loved us? How did we recognize God's love? Well, if you think about love, love is manifested a lot of times through gifts. When you are in love with someone, you give them gifts. Love is manifested a lot of times through gifts. So how did God show his vast love for us? He gave us gifts. 
He gave us gifts. You know where I'm going with this. He manifested his love by the gift that he has given you. We studied it, John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever should believe in him should not perish but have eternal life. God gave us. Furthermore, in John's epistle, 1 John 4, we read these statements by the apostle in 9 and 10. In this is love of God. In this the love of God was manifested toward us, that God has sent his only begotten son into the world that we might live through him. In this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Love originated with God. Love originated with God. We did not love him. We didn't love him. Let's face it. We love sin. We were wicked in all our ways. We loved sin. There was nothing in us to awaken us to that love. We didn't love him. There was nothing beautiful in us. There was nothing amical in us. And there was nothing of merit in us. Paul says in Romans, but God commends his love towards us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died on a cross. It was our sin it was our suffering and great need that drew his compassion on us. He looked upon uh, down his creation. He looked down upon you and looked down upon me and he had compassion on us because we were stuck and well dwelling in sin and misery. Though he could have destroyed us, he had pity on us. Yeah, thank you, Lord is right. He could have destroyed us in a heartbeat. He had pity on us. See, God is a fountain of love. The entire thing that God is, is love. It's not his nature. It's who he is. As a light and heat have their source in the sun, so love has God as its source. The source of love is God. So God has given us his gift of his son. God has given us the gift of eternal life. Through his son, Jesus Christ. See, God loved us so much that he didn't want to spend eternity without us. I like that. God loved us so much. He thought so much of you that he didn't want to spend eternity without you. So he sent you away to come back to him. 1 John 5.10 says this. This is the record that God has given us eternal life, and this life is in his son. He that has the son has life. Romans 6, 23 at the end. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. By grace you are saved through faith, and that and not of yourselves is a gift of God. God has given us the gift of eternal life. He's given us the gift of salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. God has given all that to us, not by our merit, certainly not by our good looks, certainly not by about the things that we've done or could do or would do, but simply because of his love, simply because of the vast love that he had for us. And then God affirms his love through his promises. God affirms that love through his promises. You know, I've had the wonderful opportunity to stand with a couple before God and perform their wedding ceremony. I've had a wonderful time performing wedding ceremony. I love to perform wedding ceremonies. There are a lot of joy and happiness. But when couples desire to spend their lives together, they stand before God and they make promises one to another to have, to hold, for richer, poorer, better, for worse, sickness and health, 
to love and to cherish till death we do part. God has made promises to you. God has made promises to you today. Look at the end of 44. No one has come to me unless the Father who has sent and draws me or draws him, and I, Jesus says, will raise him up on the last day. What a beautiful, wonderful promise. Jesus has already stated that he has the authority to raise the dead. Jesus already stated that he has the authority to raise the dead and to give the resurrected life. So here he's declaring, I'm going to raise them up on the last day. If God draws you to me and you become mine, I'm raising you up. This is a wonderful promise that we have in the word of God. In 1 John 2, 25, and this is the promise that he has promised us, even eternal life. John 6, 47, or surely I say to you, he that believes in me has everlasting life. Titus 1, 2, in hope of eternal life, which God, who cannot lie, promised before the world began. I love that. And finally, Hebrews 6, 11, 17 says, God confirmed his promise by an oath. He swore upon his name, and that's his promise. And we know that every promise of God is true. We know that every single promise of God is what? Yes and amen. We know that. God has never failed to keep one promise he's ever made. So my salvation is a gift from God. But we often feel like we lead the relationship. We often feel like we are the leaders of the relationship. And in truth, he calls us and we come. Guzik said this, this understanding of God's initiative in salvation should make us more confident in evangelism, knowing that God is drawing people and we can expect to see those whom the Father draws come to him. The Greek word, John uses for, the, for to draw is helcunium, helcuim. And it's the word used in the Greek translation of Hebrew when Jeremiah hears God saying, with loving kindness, I've drawn you. With loving kindness, I've drawn you into my own. I like that. So God first put this urge within us that spurs us to seek him. But then the mystery comes. Then the mystery comes when we come to a, a, a verse that says, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Wait a minute. God's calling you. Whoever calls upon... Now all of a sudden it sounds like I have a part in this. It sounds like I have some sort of responsibility in this, which I do. The Bible clearly states this. He exhorts us. He even exhorts the ungodly to seek the Lord. Look at Isaiah 55. You don't have to turn there. I will. Isaiah 55, verses 6 and 7 says this, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. Let him return to the Lord, and he, Lord, will have mercy on him. And to our God, for he, God, will abundantly pardon. Turn to the Lord. Seek the Lord. It's kind of a mystery. This is the mystery of salvation. God draws men to himself, but then man has to have some sort of responsibility in it, has to have something to say to accept God. Now, I always liken it this way, and you've probably heard me say this before, and if you hang around long enough, I'll probably repeat it a thousand more times. When you get up to heaven, you're standing at these beautiful gates, you know, the pearly gates. There's this great big sign that says, whomsoever will may come. Come in gratefully. For some reason, you want to turn around and look back, and it says, you've been chosen before the foundations of the world. Huh? Mystery. It's a mystery of salvation. It's, it's such a mystery that we can't wrap our minds around it. God draws us. 
But see, as God is drawing us, as God is pouring out his love upon us, as God is manifesting his love to you in so many different ways, all of a sudden, you respond. Because that's all you're doing is responding to the love that's coming towards you. Trust me on this, folks. We do not deserve this love that is coming towards us. But God, because of his infinite mercy, God, because of his compassionate heart, because he's always abounding in love, always abounding in graciousness, pours out this love upon us. We love him because he first loved us. We do not initiate his, this relationship. God does. There is nothing in me that prompted God to love me. In fact, if I was honest, which I try to be all the time, I did everything but. I did everything opposite of seeking him and coming to him. God says to Israel in Deuteronomy 77, the, in Deuteronomy 7, verse 7, the Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people, for you were the fewest of all people. In other words, why did the Lord choose Israel? Because he's God. Why did the Lord choose you? Because he's God and he can. But the scripture says, for God so loved the world. Mystery. It's a mystery. People have thought about it for years. People have made doctrines about it for years. God's love for me is uncaused by me. I did nothing to earn it. I can do nothing to earn it. It originates and spreads from his divine nature. Because he's demonstrated that great love for me, my heart responds to him in love. God loved me, and he declared his love for me through Jesus Christ. That's who he did. And then my heart responded. In this instance, when John, when, when, when John is writing and recording Jesus' words, the Jews thought that they were chosen by God by virtue of their physical strength and natural birth. They thought that that had it made. But Jesus makes it clear that God must draw them before they can come to God. So everyone who responds to the Father will respond to the Son. And the Son, Jesus, will raise them up on the last day. I love that. Maybe you're saying, well, wait a minute, I'm afraid that God's not drawing me. What, is God really drawing me? Well, let me answer that question by saying, and why are you here? What got you here today? I don't know. You could be in a hammock eating bonbons, waiting for the eagles to come on or something like that. I don't know. But you came here. You, you came here. Maybe God is drawing you. Maybe God is calling you deeper. Maybe God is calling you. And we get to verse 45 and it says, It is written in the prophets, and they shall, be, they shall all be taught by God. Therefore, everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Oh, now maybe we're getting somewhere. Now it appears like we're getting somewhere because it said everyone who has heard and learned from the Father has come to me. So first of all, you have to hear. Oh, we're getting someplace here. Now you have to hear, and then you learn what you heard. You learn what you heard. The sinner comes to God through the truth of his word. Everyone who has heard, everyone who has learned from the Father has come to me, Jesus said. For the Father draws the sinner by his word. Once again, in Jeremiah, in, ver in thir chapter 31, verses 33 and 34, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law on their minds and write it on their hearts. 
I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they shall all know me, from the last of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord, for I will forgive their iniquity and their sin I will remember no more. Praise God. So God becomes our teacher. The Word of God becomes our tutor. The Word of God becomes our teacher. And you can all quote with me Romans 10, verse 17. Therefore, faith then comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. Those of you who have heard and learned, saving faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Though Israel heard God's Word, they didn't exercise saving faith in Jesus Christ. Those who have a revelation from God the Father will always come to the Son. To hear and learn from the Son is to hear and learn from God. It is the teaching of the Word of God that draws people to the Savior. We are to hear and to learn. How does it work? The sinner hears. And the first thing they hear, they learn that they're a sinner. They learn that they're a sinner. And then they learn that they need a Savior. And then... They learn that the Savior is God's only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. And as they hear and learn God's Word, God draws them into the Son, and they cry out to Jesus for salvation. They cry out to Jesus for salvation. They confess their sin. They believe in their hearts that Jesus is Lord, and God raised Him on the third day. God speaks to us directly through His Word. Now, why shouldn't God speak to us through His Word? It's perfectly logical. Since God created us with a capacity to know Him and to fellowship with Him, certainly He developed us with a capacity to hear Him. What does the Good Shepherd say? The sheep do what to my voice? Hear. The sheep hear my voice, and they know me. And I know them. So God's intention was so that man could know. God must reveal himself to man. And he reveals himself to us through his word. He reveals himself to us through his word. This is how we know. And if we go back to Isaiah, back to Isaiah 55, and if we look at verses 10 and 11, we have a great analogy here of the word of God. For as the rain comes down and the snow from heaven and do not return there, but the water the earth and make it bring forth the bud, that it may give the seed to the sower and the bread to the eater, so shall my word that goes forth from my mouth, it shall not return me void. But it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. Praise God. Look at this beautiful, beautiful picture we have. He uses the figures of snow and rain. They come down from heaven. It's interesting that they, in this passage it says the snow and the rain come down from heaven and as they liken them to God, what has Jesus been telling the Jews all through John 6? I'm the bread of life that has come down from heaven. I'm the bread of life that has come down from heaven. Unless you partake of me, you will not have everlasting life. I'm the bread of life. And we also know Jesus to be what? God's Word. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Word was God from the beginning. It was made flesh dwelt among us. We have Jesus Christ, the Word, who came down from heaven. So as God sends the rain to the earth, He also sends His Word. You are a sure
The Gospel of John was written from a perspective that provides an eyewitness account of what happened during the life of Jesus here on earth. Different than the other three Gospels, John's book describes Jesus in ways that confirm him as the Son of God. There are things done and said that can only point to Jesus being far more powerful than what a human could do. In the Old Testament, God referred to himself as, I am. In this book, John recounts how Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and I am the resurrection and the life. These were bold statements, but Jesus proved throughout his ministry that they were indeed true. He lived a life that compelled people to follow at that time, to seek him out, and to commit their lives. And we can also follow him today. If you missed any part of today's teaching, or you'd like to listen to additional messages from Pastor Dave, visit assurehoperadio.com. Perhaps you were listening, you realized that you have some questions about faith, and maybe even about salvation. We'd be happy to talk with you and provide some resources to answer your questions. Give us a call at 609-884-5821. Again, that's 609-884-5821. You can also click on the Jesus tab at assurehoperadio.com. This will provide you with a succinct picture of who Jesus is and how he can change your life. Thank you again for taking the time to learn about God's word today. We hope you'll join us again next time on Assure Hope.